Frank, I have an update for you. Ooh, I love updates. Uh, did you see the new Pokemon movie? No, not yet, but you know it's on my list because I hear it's amazing. Yeah, I did too. And I think I might have to give in to the Nintendo Mania and go see it. Yeah, well, I did see uh, the new Avengers, which was pretty okay. Like we, I think we might have talked about that spoilers. last week. Spoilers. It. it was, it was okay. It was spoilers. <laughs> it was okay. It was fine. It was a movie. It was a movie. Stop it. You're making it worse. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, I have real updates, Frank. Updates oh, okay. for everybody. This is the update. Real updates. Update of the update for updating of updates for the updates. Good. I think I'm following along. Uh, cue the dramatic music. Go. Da-na-na-na. Update number one. So I'm a Mac developer officially because my app is on the Mac store. Oh, I'm clapping over here. Good job. Good job. So that's only one um, rejection you got. That's pretty good for your first app. Yes, only one, which is not too bad when it was actually five. So not bad. So are you tracking your sales and your downloads? Are you monetizing? Are you looking for VC funding? What's going on these days? Not really. No, I would say. I would say that here's what happened is I ended up I ended up um, being okay on the updates. If I would have read what they were telling me originally in the emails, I would have <laughs> saved about two or three. What it came down to in the small little update, then we'll go to the other updates, is that you and I sat down after the episode, did tons of stuff. I resubmitted the app. And then I forgot that you also have to implement the little red exit button of your app too and decide what that's going to do. So they kept sending me these rejection emails and I was like, no, I fixed everything you told me. And then I finally read it and they're like, you didn't fix the last thing that we told you, please fix the thing. And I was like, fine, I fine, I'll fix it. I'll fix your thing. <laughs> so I did it and I put it back and it's on the app store. I'm very excited about it. And uh, okay. yeah, it's, it's there. Okay. I, again, congratulations. But I, I want to dig into this because uh, I think, yeah, we did have a fun little pair programming session after the show. And by fun, I don't mean fun. But we were debating what to do with the uh, little red X because you're a single window application and most Mac applications are multi-window. So yes. the when you hit the little red X, the window goes away because you can always get a new window back. No biggie. But in your app, you have different rules. So what rules did you settle for for your little red X? So I settled on just always exiting the app. Just always get out of there. Just get out <laughs> okay. of there. See, this <laughs> yeah. used to be like what we didn't do on Mac. But the truth is, even Apple apps are doing that these days, especially like the news app and the stocks app. Now, I blame those because those are actually marzipan apps that we'll be talking about a lot more in the future, I hope. Um, and and they have that funny style because they're single window also because they came from iOS. <laughs> so it makes sense. So I guess I'm just a little bit sad. That's why I keep saying so, 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 because <laughs> just didn't like that style in the past. But yeah, I, you know, I, I kind of we sat down and we were going through a bunch of apps and we you and I were like, um, actually, a lot of apps are basically going this route. So for me, since my application is really just very simplistic um, you know, you never really need to worry about opening and shutting it. You want to close, you want to close. I just did it. And, you know, it's a very quick port. And I have 10 downloads, Frank, 10 whole downloads. 
10. And I was going to say, you haven't been advertising well enough because I did see that you had a tweet saying, look, I'm a Mac developer. You're so proud of that fact. But you didn't say what your app does or, you know, give us a sales pitch on it or make a cool YouTube video with an awesome indie soundtrack. What happened to all that marketing and advertising stuff we talked about, James? It's true. Yeah, I need to get on that. I would say the problem is, is that build is coming up. And in fact, when this episode Ah. comes out, it is build day one. So everything has has gone crazy in my life. And I'm just happy that I got it out, just to be honest with you. But uh, yeah, but I'm working. I do believe that there are a lot of opportunities to promote, to get it out there. I did, Frank. I registered a domain name, though. That's a good step. Okay. So it's out there. Mm -hmm. Can you buy like a Twitch ad? Do they have that? Do they have community ads? Well, I would want to somehow target the streamers. You know what I mean? And see how I could do it. Isn't that Twitch? I thought I'm all confused. What do the kids use these days, James? Well, (laughs) they do use Twitch, but the people that see the ads are the people that are watching. Uh, yeah, but okay. It just felt like every time I've used Twitch, it just inundates me with ads. I just thought everyone was getting all the ads. No, I want to, I want to, I want to somehow target the creators, you know, and that's a little bit harder to do. So I need to find, I need to create YouTube videos like we were talking about. I need to promote (laughs) it properly. I need to, yeah, just, you know, do more promotion in general. Maybe reach out to some of the streamers and say, Hey, check out this app, you know, that I made. Maybe you'll like it, you know? (laughs) So that could be a possibility. Okay. Well, congratulations on having a cool app. Can't wait to not use it because I have no idea (laughs) what its purpose is. It's not for you. It's it's for me, (laughs) really. Let's be honest. Well, yeah. So so things went well, and that led me to do more updates. Now, we've had episodes in the past where we've talked about us updating apps, the legacy code, crufty stuff. But I had an app that I made Originally, over a weekend six years ago, is my Meetup Manager app. You are familiar with oh, this app, correct? Yes, yes. Let me paint a picture for everyone. Many moons ago, we had a great Meetup here in Seattle, and we wanted, I think we were using it for the raffle. That was kind of our excuse in the beginning, but we wanted everyone to check in to our Meetups. So this was an app for people who were running Meetups to know who actually came. Because oddly enough, the website doesn't have a good interface for that. Maybe they do now. Have you checked your competition lately? I think that you can go onto the website and you can do some things for it, but I am not convinced that it is as good as mine because mine offers offline sync with SQLite-net. So, ha. Yeah, exactly. I I mean, special purpose apps are always going to be general purpose websites. So this was uh, just a cool little thing and it was battle tested. We use it a lot. I think its biggest problem, James, if I could be blunt, is that you kept rewriting it. (laughs) So what's the current state of it? (laughs) Well, I originally wrote it really fast. This is before Xamarin Forms came out. So I wrote it in MVVM Ah. Cross. And I wrote it really quick. It was very simplistic. It barely did anything. And then I, as soon as Amaran Forms came out, I was like, this is a great test bed for me to port the UI over for it so I could get it um, really maintainable across the different platforms. And it has been my little test bed, which is a really fun way to kind of put it because with this, I've not only integrated ads into it, I've done in-app purchases, I've transformed it into, you know, ma- material theming with like tabs on the bottom for everything, and I've added offline sync. So I've added all of these little bits and pieces to the app over time. 
like a lot of the code is six years old. It's just sitting there, Frank. Like it's just so old and, and, and crazy. And I went last weekend onto the store and I, I'd stopped using it because we don't, we don't have our meetup um, anymore. I mean, we still have it, but we just don't run it. Yeah. So hmm. we need to get on it's it. It's a metaphysical question. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I went on and I was like, oh, I have a lot of one-star reviews. What's going on here? And um, meetup.com changed their API. So my app stopped working completely. So yeah, boom. Oh yeah. Okay. So we both face this. Uh, we both have older applications, and in a lot of ways, it's good. I love that fact. My whole goal has always been to have a long, sustaining business. You know, I want long-term apps. It would be terrible if I had to write a brand new app every year. I don't think my brain could handle it. You know, coming up with a good idea every year. So it's a good problem to have, honestly, to have these old apps until it comes time to update it. Because as we always talk about, the tools change and the environment changes. And in this case, APIs changed. Now, we did talk about this. Um, I don't remember the resolution of it. So did you rewrite everything? Did you get it working again? So luckily enough, the API changed, but it changed, changed in like weird ways. It changed where I could query pages of data, but now I can't do it anymore. And then it takes different parameters. They really sort of just muddled it around. Like you get the user data a little bit different here and there's a little bit different. Luckily the login process and the OAuth, OAuth 2 doesn't change. So I'm lucky there. Phew. Yeah. That's always the worst. I hate yeah. authentication. <laughs> that is the worst. So like for me, it's like, okay, well that's not bad, but the problem is I have to go through every little this and that and this and that and try to figure out, am I querying it right? Can I just change the endpoint? Is the data coming back? So all the models change. I had to remap everything. And only some of the APIs changed. Some went to V3, some stayed on V2. So they're like, we're not ready for these. <laughs> like, oh, oh my gosh. God. Yeah. Oh my God. Talk about over-engineering. <laughs> this is um, the worst kind of refactoring where you break public APIs because you think this one's a little bit better. Yeah, mm -hmm. we all have APIs that we hate. People deal with it, move on. like, And don't move on by using uh, Semver and just updating the major version and saying, ha ha, we're going to deprecate this after a year. That's the worst. I want APIs that last, you know, centuries. Millennia, mm -hmm. James. This is what I want. <laughs> Stop it with these version twos and threes. <laughs> yeah, it, it was really honestly not a lot of fun to just remap my APIs. But then what happened on top of that is I can't just go and change a few APIs. I need to update a bunch of stuff because Google has decided that you need to update all of their ads to get better ads. And of course, if I'm going to update the ads, I got to update Google Play service and I got to update the support libraries. And you know what? I got to update all of my plugins. I got to update all of my Xamarin <laughs> forms. Right? So it becomes a spiral in general, which is fun and not fun at the same time. So in this regard, what ends up happening is, is that um, I have to go update everything across the board and figure out what versions are here, what versions are there. I mean, luckily I do this for yeah. a living, but... You you do it for a living, but l <laughs> let me explain to everyone that I get so afraid when I have to update these Android support libraries. There was a point in my life called about two or three years ago where James had explained to me 
how these support libraries work, mm -hmm. how the versioning works, who's responsible for what. Oops, this one got renamed a little, but it doesn't get renamed over here. And if you're using this build environment, it has that name. I understood it for like a year. <laughs> but a year after that, I've completely forgotten. And when it comes time to update these things, I just right click on the project and I say, update all. And I'm like, God be with me. <laughs> Let's hope this works. So uh, does that work? Is that still the way to do that? I think so. Now, Good. that is, of course, <laughs> if you're using project references and not the old packages.json or packages.xml or whatever, which is terrible. And luckily, oh. luckily, I had done this conversion in a past life and moved everything from PCL to net standard. Uh, randomly, I don't know when I did it, but I must have wow. randomly done it, you know, a year ago or something. So you saw I into got the future. <laughs> I saw into the future and I was like, I totally did it. And um, I got really, really, really lucky uh, so in that regard. Should we be should we be clear here about package references? Because I, I'm, I'm not sure this is fully understood throughout the community, but in the last um, big release of .NET, we all kind of changed our project file formats. So our NuGets went from red, um, using this packages.json. You know, it's been so long since I used it, I almost forgot its name, <laughs> um, where we would list our dependencies. But that has since been put into our project files. Now, the problem is I still don't feel like all the file new templates in all the Visual Studios use this new format. Some of them still use uh, package.json. Or if you're like me and just have a million apps and a million libraries, chances are the majority of them still use uh, that old format. So this is kind of a manual step you need to take of take, take your main root dependencies that you need. Not everything listed in packages.json, that's its problem. It lists too much. <laughs> take just what you need out of there and put that into your project file by hand. Yeah, and that's what that, yeah. <laughs> That's what you have to end up doing. If you're really lucky, if you're on the on Windows machine, there is a right-click convert to <gasps> package reference. You're so lucky. <laughs> okay, I'm super jealous. Okay, everyone ignore what I just said. Do that right-click thing. <laughs> yeah, do that because I ended up doing that a long time ago and I'm pretty sure that that will stay around for a while. But what it does, it, it's very smart. So when you're updating these references, it ends up, the old packages, there was packages XML and then packages JSON, which is oh, only used God. by Windows. So the packages XML is still what Xamarin used. So when you update those in that, in that file, it's like every single NuGet and every dependency. So when you go to update things, NuGet hates you. It's just like, I don't, I don't know what happened anymore. Conflict, conflict, conflict. Yeah, it's crazy. And the, the, the package reference in your CS proj is very lightweight. It just, it, somehow is much, much faster. So when you convert it, your life is just like so much better. It's not perfect, but the nice thing is that it doesn't have to reference DLLs directly. So if you need to go update things, you can just open the CS proj and then manually edit the versions and say, use these versions. Don't try to figure out dependencies. I'm going to tell you what to use because I'm smarter than you. So you can do that. Yeah. Yeah, that was the worst part of pack. Not only was packages JSON huge, it was long because it had all the what do they call them? Transient dependencies, whatever. The yes. ones that you don't 
directly reference. It had all those listed. And then your project file duplicated all of that with DLL Mm -hmm. names. You're just like, oh my God, I don't want to change anything. Yeah. So that happened, um, what, a couple years ago now? And I still haven't updated all my projects and now I'm feeling really rotten. I need to open, open them all up on Windows and do that right clicking. Yeah. Yeah. So it's actually really not fun to go through it, but it's worth it. I did it for someone reached out to me on a, the Xamarin chat room and they're like, I'm having this problem, like send me your project. That's why I said, give me your project. And then they did, <laughs> did you it. Do it for them or just point it out the project. I don't want to, I'm not going to make fun of anyone, but it's classic, right? You're up. He was literally updating an old project. It was portable class libraries. It was package.xml. And I was like, let me just fix this for you. It'll take me 30 minutes. It's going to, it may take you, you may never do it, you know? And I go, you will be so much happier when I do this. And I gave it back to him 30 minutes later. And he's, this is so much better. Oh my goodness. This is amazing. So yeah, I did it. And then even on the the Mac side, there's just IDE improvements, honestly, when it detects mm-hmm. this new package file format, the way it puts your packages into the solution explorer and everything just becomes faster. Restore becomes faster. And we've already mentioned the other pros. Plus, it's the way of the future, <laughs> so we must adapt for the times. <laughs> well, but I did end up building my app, Frank. But before we talk about that, let's thank our sponsor this week, Telerik. The Telerik team at Progress, you know them. They build all of those Telerik UI for whatever, such as uh, you know Xamarin, such as ASP.NET, ASP.NET Core, WPF, WinForms, UWP, they make all of the controls and components that you could possibly want, calendars, charts, data grids, all that good stuff. Now, what's really cool, Frank, is that they have the brand new Telerik UI for Blazor. And I'm pretty sure when you go to their website, go to Telerik.com, you can click on Telerik UI for Blazor, and then they're running a Blazor app to show you the charts, because why wouldn't you? It's all right there. So you can go and check out all of their um, data inputs, calendars, animated containers, column charts, bar charts, pie charts, all that stuff for Blazor. So you can run those absolutely anywhere, which is super cool. They've also updated all of their Telerik UI for Xamarin, which of course I'm a huge fan of because I love building Xamarin applications. And they of course have all those things that you want, updated list views, gauges, calendars. They even have an entire conversational UI that you can tie into your chat bot backend, which is awesome. So they do everything for you. So all you got to do is head over to Telerik.com and just tap on whatever you're building, whether you're building a web app, a desktop app, a mobile app, they got you covered. Head over to Telerik.com and thanks to Telerik Progress for sponsoring this week's pod. Thanks, Telerik. What a great company. I want, I have my own update request from you. On the previous Mac episode, I pointed out that maybe you didn't have dark mode fully implemented. Is it there yet, James? Update the update. Do we have dark mode? No, of course not. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm waiting on you to implement your Xamarin Forms backend. That's right. That's right. Well, instead, I've been doing my own update. I had, um, I was very proud because I had Calca converted over to dark mode mm. and I was recently, uh, someone pointed out some bugs 
on the app and they were kind of embarrassing because they were logic bugs and you're like "Ooh, computers should be good at logic why is it failing at these but they ended up being subtle bugs but i noticed during that time then i felt bad because i was making fun of you for not supporting dark mode that i had some dark mode mistakes oh no <laughs> yeah so i had to do i wasn't planning on it but i had to do a lot of dark mode updates myself and boy it just gets harder and harder every time it, it, like the subtle little bugs so i'm not gonna make fun of you even though i did start to make fun of you i just wanted an update to know if you were dark moded yet no it didn't happen you know i think it's one of those things that i'll get around to for sure now that being said um i'll wait for you to put the back end in then i'll update my package <laughs> and i'll remove that info p list flag boom okay boom that's it frank well, just work for a month <laughs> well you know i think the next problem that i had is maybe something that you ran into during your update process is like I finished the app and then I realized that one, my entire CD, CICD, CICD pipeline was destroyed. Like it didn't work at all anymore. I need to go update it. But more importantly, once I fixed that, submitting an app to an app store like a year or two later, like I haven't done updates in two years. The entire app store is all completely different. I have to new new screenshots, <laughs> new what's in this thing, the whole 10 yards. Did you run into this when you did yours? Yeah, I did. I, it, it was a while ago, though, where they uh, they revamped it. So for a while, they had revamped the iOS side, but the Mac side was still pretty old fashioned. That hadn't changed for a while. Mm. And then I forget when, but they lit up the changes on the Mac side, which is still frustrating because we got the new UI and I thought, oh, we're finally going to get test flight for Mac. I really want beta support for Mac apps. Mm -hmm. And that's nicely built in for iOS. They didn't give us that, but they did give us a funky new UI <laughs> that we had to learn <laughs> and a bunch of new screenshot requirements and things like that. But, but let's skip at the Apple part for a moment. I want to go back to the CI, uh, CD pipeline. Yeah, man, mine was broke too. What is up with CI? Like, I mean, we use Git, we have versions everywhere, we have, I don't know, config files, but somehow we still keep breaking these things. So my excuse, and this is a little bit embarrassing, um, I had an app and in order to, actually I have Kelka, and in order to compile Kelka, it had two repositories. So my CI would have to download two repositories, compile them together, pop out the app. That's great, except uh, iCircuit also uses one of those repositories, and I had changed some code and broke the code over here. And mm. James, I had to use Git submodules. That's the end of the story, and it's so sad. <laughs> I'm like, I swore I would never use submodules again, and I'm just like, oh, forget it. I'm just going to use a submodule, and that got my CI CD working again. Wow. Yeah. So for me, I was using App Center for everything because these apps are pretty pretty simplistic. Uh, as far as just being like, it's just an app. There's no backend. There's no sub modules, anything like that. Now, there was a few things on my end. First, all my certs expired. Oh, yeah. All of them expired. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. Two years. I wasn't thinking. Yeah, yeah. You have to update your app at least uh, once or I would say at least twice a year, just so that you're not dealing with your certs going out of fashion. Yeah. Now, and the cool thing is, obviously, if you don't update your app in two years, your app in the app store continues to work. You just can't rebuild your app with an old cert. You need to get a new cert. Yeah. Yeah. Now that that's not hard, right? Once you know how to do it, it's we've done fun. it. It's no, it's not. 
you know, you know what? At this point, I've done it so much in my life. What's that thing where you're like, yeah, uh, yeah, okay, never Stockholm syndrome or something mm-hmm. like that. At this point, it's fun for me. I'm like, ooh, it's that time of year, time to go get a new cert and try not to lose it and try to remember how to do this process. You know, I've been doing this for like almost ten years now, so it's yeah. just like it's like my Christmas. It's like ooh, new cert time. <laughs> well, I was using. I'm so messed up, James. <laughs> so here's a good one for you. So I, the iOS one, it's like, all right, I got it. It's like iOS cert updates. I got it. And then I went and my Android build was failing on App Center. And I go, what's going on here? And I this was one of the first apps, even before App Center was released, that I was building. So this is was like on some old legacy something. And the key store was just vanished. So I'm like, oh, where's my key store? I got to go hunt that's it That's my down. greatest fear. <laughs> where's this I, key I, store? You know, every time I'm about to submit an Android app, I'm like, how do I submit Android apps? And I go, I Google, how do you submit an Android app? And it's always like, oh, do this thing with your key store. I'm like, I vaguely remember what a key store is. And then I go look at my file system. I use Spotlight Search. I'm like, uh, iCircuit key store. And then a file comes up. I'm like, thank God, Pass Frank, you named it something valid and something searchable because otherwise I forget how to do that thing every time. Now, has, has that improved at all? Like, are we still using key stores that are funnily signed and hidden away somehow? We are still doing all of that, but Frank. There's a big but. The but is that you can give your key store to Google. This I like. Yes, please. <laughs> and then this is this is essentially what Apple does. This is what we talk about with certificates and profiles and all that. This is Apple managing something, a secret. Now the difference though is that you give your cert, your key store, to Google in the Google Play Council. And then you can submit to them your application that could be signed with anything or not signed at all. And they re-sign your application for you so you don't have to worry about it. I love this. And all you have to do is trust Google. And I love to be that first person that's like, I don't like Google, I blah, blah, blah. But the truth is they're a big company. They're not they'll be sued into oblivion if they start giving out things like this. So yeah. I'm not worried about Google managing my key store. Honestly, I'm more concerned about me managing my key store. <laughs> Every time I do that spotlight search, I'm like, please, God, let something come up here. <laughs> now, I will say that I had to go through a bunch of little hoops and ladders here. So one thing I had to do is I had to unconnect all of my, <laughs> this is a fun one too. I had to disconnect all of my Apple logins to app center and to visual Studio for mac because they had redone all the two-way um, authentication two-factor off so i had to like disconnect and reconnect everything get one-time password codes and all this stuff <laughs> it was crazy okay wait 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 we're talking about this all right because i spent hours on this and this technically happened i think it's like the middle of february the mm-hmm. end of february apple started requiring And I want to be clear here on the language, two-way authentication. Now, that is different from what I knew from the past, which was two-way verification. Mm. They sound so much alike, huh? How could you possibly get them confused? But here's the deal. Authentication is pretty much just tied to iCloud. Think of it that way. You have an Apple ID, and somehow that Apple ID gets associated with what they call a trusted device. Here's my problem, James. (laughs) The only device that I want to be trusted is my phone. The rest of my devices, I delete them too often. You know, they're dev machines. I'm I'm doing all sorts of terrible things to them. They're running betas, all that. 
I don't want them to be trusted devices. I don't trust them, period. <laughs> but it, my problem is that my main Apple ID is a personal email address, and yet my developer Apple ID is like a work email address. Mm -hmm. I keep them separate because from time immortal, I decided that I'm going to keep them separate, and I'm stuck with that decision for the rest of eternity. And... um Here's the issue. How do I get my stupid phone to be a trusted device for this other Apple ID? And you search this on the Googles and they say, oh, just log out of iCloud on your phone. And I'm like, I am never logging out of iCloud on my phone. It deletes too much. It runs rampage through the operating system. Don't ever sign out of iCloud on your phone. So how do you do it, James? How do you do it? I want to know, did you have this trouble or not? Yeah, so I ran into a different issue, which was around <laughs> test flight. So we talked about we talked about my issues where my Gmail account is tied to a bunch of other teams and the application loader wouldn't allow me to upload. So I created yet another account that is an app admin that I can log into. I can't do search with that account, but I can manage all of my apps, log into the application loader, upload it there. But I ran into a different problem, which is I got the app there eventually via the same mechanism. And I have two kind of testers on my test flight. I have my Gmail and my Xamarin account, which are two different iCloud accounts. And for some reason, Test Cloud refused to show me anything if I was logged into my Gmail account. Just nothing would show up. And I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. Just, it's blank. And you can't log in. And how it works is that you have to log in to to the store with the account that's used and then iCloud with a different account. So on my phone, on my iPhone 6, which is like the oldest phone in the world, I love it. My I go to my Apple ID and it says iCloud at gmail.com store at Xamarin.com. I have literally two different logins <laughs> on my iPhone. I have no idea how that works. I'm so puzzled and confused. Can I can I tell you? Okay, so I have to tell you how I solve my problem. And it doesn't sound like you got two Apple IDs on there my way, but I can tell you one way to get two Apple IDs on there. Please. Uh, yeah, I had. Uh, I think this came from iMore, I read the website iMore.com. Mm -hmm. This trick is terrible. It's absolutely embarrassing and Apple needs to fix this. But I started on a Mac because, again, I didn't want to uh, log out of iCloud on the phone. And on my Mac, I created a new local user account. Mm. Why did I do this? Because you can only associate an Apple ID to a user account. It's a one-to-one -one thing. You can't have multiple. And there was no way in heck I was going to log out of my iCloud account on my computer. I mean, my desktop would disappear. I'm using iCloud for my desktop. I don't want to even think of what would happen if I logged out. So create a brand new user, just a throwaway account. Log that all in, and when you're um, first loading up uh, the OS with that user, it presents a login with your Apple ID. Now, it turns out you can use your developer ID as an Apple ID. So then I log in with my developer ID. Great. So now my Mac is a trusted device, but that's not good enough because I'm not always going to be by my Mac. Mm -hmm. So on the Mac, you... Um, I'm sorry, you're all signed into the back. Okay, so now we go to the phone. <laughs> so you've created a valid iCloud Apple ID now, thanks to your Mac. Now you got to go back to your phone and you create a new email account. Not like, um, I'm not adding an iCloud account, but okay. actually that's what you say. So you go to settings, accounts, add account, 
iCloud. Log in with your iCloud. They magically give you five gigabytes. They magically give you, you know, all this stuff. And then your device uh, can become a trusted device because you've logged into it there and you verified onto your Mac. And so now your iPhone, like my iPhone, would have my personal personal Apple ID and also this work Apple ID. What a terrible process they put us through. (sighs) It's really complicated because in I guess in an ideal world, what we really need is you have to have an actual iPhone and a Mac that is not personal at all and is only for work purposes, you know, because for me, uh, I yeah. use my Mac multi-purpose. I use my iPhone multi-purpose. I don't have multiple iPhones. I have one and it's all over the place. It's really well, bananas. It- it's especially bad because Apple acknowledges that this is a problem because in the fact there is a question and the question is, do I need to devote one piece of hardware to being a developer piece of hardware, basically in mm. a trusted authentication device? And Apple in the response says, no, 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 you can use one device with multiple accounts, period. Next sentence, next, <laughs> next question. And you're like, but how? <laughs> and so um, it, it is good news that you don't have to have that. I'm sharing a device and I actually have a couple devices that are authenticated, but they don't make it easy. That's for sure. Do you know how many accounts I have linked on my Android phone? <laughs> like with the um, the Google Play Store? You mean that way? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just just or logged just on in. The phone. Just logged in on the phone. Oh, oh, I mean, Google accounts are a dime a dozen. So I think um, I usually have about three logged in and about four or five available. Like when I, you know, hit sign in. Yep. What are you up to, James? So on my phone, I have five. On my browser, I have nine. So. <laughs> nine. <laughs> that you're logged in, like active, like you could just click over to it real quick. So at any time, <laughs> I can click over to any of my different accounts on the Play Store on this. The nice thing yeah. here, it, which makes sense, okay, here, here's the nice part that Google got right. Apple, you got it wrong. Because I can log in with five different Gmail accounts, and now... When I go to log into Gmail and I need to do the two-factor auth where it pops up on my phone, do you want to approve this? All five of those accounts work on the same phone. Whoa, I don't have that. I don't think I'm quite that quite that good, but hmm, congratulations. I will say uh, Mojave has a new nice feature that if you're on one of those web forms, it's like, enter the security code. Mm. And then you get that text message. It autofills, James, it autofills. It's like I'm living in the future. It's the best. In fact, I had um, messed up my account so badly one day. Actually, I blame Google, but whatever. Won't mention that. I was actually on the tech support phone call. You know what it takes for me to call tech support? I have to admit complete defeat to get to that point. A lot. And yeah. <laughs> and I'm doing a screen share with Apple. And he saw that thing just autofill. And he's like, no, no, you got to type that in. I'm like, no, no, it autofilled. He's like, yeah, but I don't trust it. I'm like, you're an Apple support person. And you don't trust the autofill. <laughs> so it's new magical technology. And not everyone believes in it yet. But it's oh totally goodness. there. And I love it. So that's why I don't need to say stay signed in, James. I just get those codes super fast. <laughs> That's pretty good. I like that. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's only going to get worse, too, because there's going to be added security. There's all these things. I ran into the same thing when I was updating this app. 
you know, Apple had done the, what is it? What is it called? The app transport protocol app transport security ats this is where um if you want to talk to a web server it has to be done over ssl if you want to talk non-ssl then you actually have to um give an approval list of which domains you're allowed to talk to yes and this is kind of a good feature this is um preventing I mean, I don't know how an iOS would get attacked, but technically someone could attack the phone, try to make web requests out of your thing. I don't fully understand the security concerns here, but I assume really smart security people decided this was a good idea and therefore it is. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that is that is a, the perfect explanation. And, you know, on iOS, there's always been this workaround, which is you can just say, yeah, I'll prove everything. Just, eh, just do everything. Yeah. <laughs> How many of your apps do that? I think a lot of mine do, but for good reason. Like continuous, I want you to be able to make web requests. Mm -hmm. uh, some other ones just have some half-baked web browsers built into them, so I needed to be able to do that. How about your apps? I think that Meetup Manager has to, but only for ads, maybe. Maybe I don't need to do it anymore, but I think that those get served up randomly. Luckily, meetup.com is HTTPS, so it doesn't matter. But when I develop locally like i do a lot of these demos for running things locally and for some reason i have a hard time getting my https certs installed for asp.net like local development so i'm like i'll just locally yeah. do non non-https i'm on my machine like i'm it's fine it's localhost so yeah i i'm sorry but do all that. our discussions always get back to certificates huh <laughs> uh, I, I was having that same problem because uh when you run uh kestrel locally it does like a developer signed certificate yes. for ssl but chrome's like no i don't know i don't believe in that cert that cert is bad <laughs> and so it's always weird getting these things installed especially on ios um it feels like they move the certificates section on every version of the operating system i can never find it yeah so i just go turn it off i don't even want to i'm just i'm debugging right now it's fine so i did that which is totally fine totally gravy because then when i publish my back end that's https not a big deal but I think most of my apps are totally fine. However, doing all these demos and doing this app, I found out that another company has gotten on board the ATS train. Does it start with a G and end with a L? Yeah, I thought you were going to say an oogle, but yes. Uh, but yes. G L. <laughs> yes, the, the, the Google we know and love has decided that they also want to get on the security train. And if you build your app against SDK 28 and target 28 and run on a device that's 28, oh, the three 28s, that's what you got to do, uh, then you will run into the exact same issue. Um, mm. But it's even more so, stringent. Uh, okay. Like... I feel as I if on iOS, I feel like on iOS, like images work okay, or it's like, it's something else, but like Google's all like, nah, fam, nothing at all works. <laughs> nothing. No, no. Okay. So help me out. I, I always forget how Android targets work. Is that the minimum target or is that just target target? No. So there's when a, you say 28. So there's a minimum and a target. So there's minimum, which says allow it to run on this old device. That is the min SDK version, okay? Yeah. 
Got it. So that's good because But that's different. Yeah, that that's like you know, when you go into when you go into your info P list and you set run on iOS 10, that's what that is. Yeah. Yep. That makes sense. Now but they have a target thing too, just to make you confused. <laughs> so correct. you could have SDK 28 with a target of 27, just to, you know, uh play dice with the gods a little bit. Yeah. And in that case, that means that you can use the latest APIs, but then what you're doing is you are tricking Android to say, actually, my app is really only ready for API 27. So don't light up a bunch of new features. It's like this weird trickery thing. And you could do that, I believe, on iOS if... No, I don't know if you can. I don't know if we have that. We Mm. don't really do that. (laughs) Now, the real question, James, could I target 30 and build with SDK 28? Uh, probably <laughs> just saying like, I know I'll be fine, you know, in, in two years. Yeah. Light it up. I'll be fine. Be- best practice is target SDK compile. Always the same. That's the best practice. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I like the future version. Yeah. But sure. Now, Android does something, of course, a little bit different, but very similar. They do have it. Uh, it's called network security config. You have to create a separate XML file. You define everything inside oh. of it. Bingo, bango, like the info pilas. It's not too bad. Yeah. Um, Are there attributes you can put on your uh, main activity? Yeah. Or is it really an XML file? It's an XML file. Then you add that attribute to your application node. And it's nice. You you have to basically say, I allow clear text traffic. And then you can do include subdomains. If you say, um, you know, proclarum.org. And then you can say include subdomain. So it could be like blog.org proclarum.org or you can say don't don't do that you know there is no star but you have to manually put everything in there so yeah all right so let's get back around to this so you're updating the apps it sounds like you've done ios and android are they are you submitting them when are you going to be done submitted they updated in the app store and i already got my first one star review frank oh no on ios or android on iOS, because you know they're vocal. So we have a very high standards, James. You know, I, I mean, but a one star. What did it do? Did it just crash? <laughs> no, I did find a crasher that I just fixed and submitted a new update while we were podcasting. But um, <laughs> here was the issue: the Meetup.com API. They used to take a a boolean in, or some there was some sort of metric that would say, um you know, load more pages that doesn't work anymore. So I'm like, okay, give me 200. So it gives me the 200 either upcoming or past events. So like I tested it on all my meetups, everything looked great. And the one star review was my group has an ongoing recurring event. So I only see events that are in 2020 in the app. Oh, uh, I was going to think like, did their event start in like 2010 and that's why you're not seeing it or it's because it's, it's future dated. That is so odd. Yeah. So I say, give me like descending order. So give me the latest ones. But, uh, what you can do now is you can say, there's like another attribute that you have to put in some weird time code that says, give me all of the new ones from this date back. So I say, give it to me two months in the future and back. Okay, so what you're telling me, James, is that data paging 
technology that we all figured out in web 1.0 is no longer in use like you can't just say give me the top page next page next page next page next page so that's what i used to do in v2 and then i read their documentation for v3 and they're like we use standard paging use the offset i'm like i am it don't work so uh, uh, technology this is when you just scream at your monitor uh, yep. that sounds terrible yeah. okay yeah uh one star well sounds like we're gonna have to get all the merge conflict listeners to download this app and give you a valid score i didn't say five stars i said a valid score <laughs> and i guess everyone's gonna have to start a meetup so we can use your app that's true well you know what i did when i just submitted this new new update frank hmm. i went to the bottom of the ios submission page and you know mm-hmm. what is there which we've talked about reset ios summary ratings get out of here <laughs> absolutely bye bye one star back to zero stars mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah honestly i would rather see a unrated app than a one star app for sure yeah so we'll, we'll do our duty james we'll, we'll help you get some stars yeah, so it's good. I'm I'm happy. It does look like I do now, since the last update, have one four-star. So I'm very happy about that. Oh, bravo. That's much better. I remember this. Uh, people are always critical of this app. Uh, people have very high standards, especially on iOS. <laughs> I want to see what your uh, ratings are different between Android and iOS. Yeah, it's one of those apps where I made it for myself. So it does one thing really well. And people are like, it should do this. It should do that. It should do this. I'm like, no, this is what I want it to do. So uh, you should listen to them. Come on. You could have the premier meetup app. I rule the meetup market. No, I added offline support, which was the number one top requested feature. It was fun to do. It was I had the worst. the, The problem with that when I did that feature, which was a while ago, I had honestly the worst database schema that I'd ever created in my life. And now I have like all these tables. I have no idea how any of it works. It's really bananas. So were you experimenting or were you just having an off day? (laughs) Well, remember, I wrote the entire app in a weekend originally. So the original database schema was like all these crazy things. And um, yeah, but when I write an app in a day, I have like two tables. That's how I write a simple app. Mm-hmm. Not, I don't I don't normalize at all, usually. That's kind of what, what joints are for. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> That's kind of what happened. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, gosh. And then I I figured it out. It, it, it's really snappy. Yeah. But I'll tell you, the here's the positive. I've been complaining a lot. Now, updating this application while I did go through some of these hiccups, the app is like a billion times faster. The ads are a billion oh. times better. The CI system is so fast, so flawless that I literally fixed the bug, did a CI build and submitted it to Apple all in the last 30 minutes while we were recording, Frank. That is no joke. And I paid attention to you while knock. I did it because it's so seamless. Okay, I don't believe the last part, but otherwise, knock on wood. Good I, job. I will the- pull up my Apple portal right now and show you, Frank. Uh, yeah, I meant the part about you listening to me. I didn't believe that part. Oh, no, no, no. I definitely did not listen to you the entire time. The listeners know I never listened to you. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but the real question is when we get the update on the update on the update on the update next year to find out if that CICD is still working. Because you know what? Something always slips in. That dev certificate, that's what it'll be. We already know. 
Always. In a year, we'll find out if you updated your cert or not. We will. We will. We will. We'll see what happens, Frank. Well, anything else about updates of an updates or is this just a James complaining being ridiculous episode? You know what? When app developers get together, this is exactly how we talk. <laughs> I'm not even sure what the topic here was other than we're updating our apps and we just want to talk about that process because that's what we like talking about. So thank you all for listening to that. When app app developers get together... That's what it's going to be called yes. this episode. <laughs> well, Frank, I love getting together with you every single week and doing this podcast. It's been honestly, absolutely astonishing. We're at 148, two more episodes, and then our listener calls. We're reaching a million downloads. We're up there. We're getting really what? close. Um, Can we have an album made? I want a gold record. Is that a million? Yeah, gold. Platinum. Uh, That's platinum. platinum. Right? <gasps> we're a platinum. Amazing. We're, we're a ways off. We're 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 zoning in on it. We're we're getting closer, but Help we're us reaching. People, tell your friends. Yes, they must listen. <laughs> if they can listen to our entire back catalog, all 110 hours of Merge Conflict Gold. You know, when I'm you know 95 years old, sitting in the hospital, that's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> Re-listen to all the episodes of me and you. Yeah, relive those glory days. <laughs> Back in my day when I was developing apps, when app developers get together. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll be in VR, but it'll still be fun. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Have you all the things? All right. Well, Frank, let's get out of here. I got to go prep for build. I got to get out of here and I got to end this episode sometimes. But thank you for being amazing as always. And thanks to our sponsor, Telerik Progress for making awesome controls and keeping this podcast going. And thanks to all of our listeners more than anything for being awesome and spectacular and telling your friends about the podcast and writing in and following us on Twitter and doing all the things. We can't thank you enough. So I think that's going to do it for this week's Merge Conflict. As always, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace. <laughs>